From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into their open mouths as they sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe, they'll escape the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I couldn't be in a better mood. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Yep. Uh, my algae culture, which I have been trying to, uh, e- you know, ease along as a source of vitamin C for us, uh, is showing some promise. Oh, really? Yeah. I would, I would think this is the year for algae. If any year was going to be an algae year. This, this is. The, um, the only the only thing I'm worried about is that um, it's actually growing in the form of uh, recognizable letters and words, uh, which suggests to me that the algae is becoming sentient. And now I have some moral compulsions about about consuming it. Yeah, don't worry. I have no moral compunctions. Okay, good. I, I didn't say moral compulsions, though. I meant compunctions. I knew what you meant. Yep. Thank you. That a moral compulsion. I don't. I don't even know what that would be. But anyway, so that's 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 where I'm at. Worrying over okay. the algae, the ethics of algae, intelligent algae consumption. Hang on, though. We don't know that it's intelligent. Mm, I mean, no, lot. Well, I mean. As the internet has proved, any moron can write. That is a good point. Because most of what the word, like when they form words, most of it is just like clearly like Twitter style trolling. So there's like, there's like a hierarchy of what I would and wouldn't eat for literate things. So Twitter trolling would eat. Um, Television blog would eat. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving up a little bit. You know, uh, like a recipe site, definitely eat. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just print that off and just yeah, consume that. Yeah. Definitely. If, you know, if it's, it really depends on what letters it's forming, whether or not I have a, a compunction about eating it. Every time I, like, I worry about anything, it tells me I'm just an SJW. So I, I, I'm pretty sure we could eat that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd eat that twice. <laughs> should we move on to attendance? We should move on to attendance. Okay. So first, uh, first attendee is um, Planche Dewey. Nope. I don't see a Planche nope. Dewey. Planche Dewey. Uh, are you familiar with Planche Dewey? Not even a little bit. Oh, uh, Planche Dewey was, he was the health nut from the sixties who swore by the regenerative powers of, uh, Long, uh, hot baths. That sounds perfectly reasonable. It, it does, but predictably, Planch took it a little too far uh, and uh, swore that okay. he would actually never leave his bath and even developed a mobile bathtub so he could go to work. Oh. And uh, uh, he couldn't keep his job for long because nobody wanted a, uh, you know, a, a constantly bathing person, uh, you know, around the office. Uh, you know, cluttering up the hallways with his bathtub. Uh, and also he would call, the, like, you develop wrinkles and rashes, and he would call them, like, health marks. Uh, and I believe he lost a foot and still insisted that he was very healthy. Oh, dear. Did he at least wear a bathing suit? Or was he, like, or keep, like, a nice level, big mound of uh, foamy bubbles on top? Well, nobody, after a while, nobody would go near him. So that's a mystery. I, I don't really want to know, actually. No, I don't know why I asked. <laughs> Neither, I mean, I mean, what we, we, we could have asked him if he were here. Yeah. But, uh, but oh, well, we, we'll have to do without him. Um, hold on a sec. You know what? I actually mixed up the letters in, uh, in our attendee's name. So it's not Planche Dewey at all. Just as peace. Oh, it should be Paul Deshen. That's actually me. Oh, it's you. Okay, so you're yeah. here. Okay, you'll do. And, and I haven't bathed in months. 
<laughs> there we go. Well, you you've got. I'm like you've got yet more. You're the anti Dewey. You're the anti Blanche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, water is at a premium down here. Yeah. That's uh, true. yeah so on our next uh, our next attendee, uh, Amnion Agrad. Amnion Agrad. How do you spell Amnion? Uh, A M N I O N. Oh, then no, it's not the one I'm thinking of. It's not the Agrad oh, okay. I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. So this is a different, different, different Agrad. Uh, anyway, it's, I'm not surprised that he's not here um, because he was actually a pre-Socratic or pre-Socratic, Socratic, pre-Socratic philosopher who, uh, and he believed he was from Manoa, and he believed that uh, distance was an illusion. Now we actually lived on a two-dimensional plane. Oh. And that things that we thought were, you know, far away were just very small. Huh. How did that work out for him? Well, he, he uh, not well, because he, he frequently tried to put the sun in his pocket and grew increasingly frustrated when he couldn't reach it. Right. And started to develop a paranoid theory that somebody was keeping small things away from him. Huh. Did he have a theory about who was doing that? Uh, it doesn't, um, does, might, might be uh, uh, Heraclitus. Oh, yeah. He was a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Of the pre-Socratics. Yeah. And totally. uh, also, he, he, he spent some time, like, ragging on uh, Diogenes as well. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, oh. he's not here. Well, that's too bad. Oh, hold on. Sorry, this is this is a little embarrassing. Um, Amni and Agret actually I mixed I mixed up the letters in his name. So if I take the A, uh, should be Aiden Morgan. That's you, actually. Me, I'm Aiden Morgan. Yeah, you are. Oh, okay. I thought I recognized that name. I just thought it was something weird that my parents used to say. Turns out it's my name. Right. Well, I'm glad we got that cleared up. Me too. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, so do we have quorum? We do not. We will but continue. we should do the meeting. Right. We'll continue regardless. Yep. So what's up? What's up? What's on? What's on our agenda? Well, damn it, Aiden. There was another council meeting. Ah. Do they ever stop? Uh, I don't freaking know. <laughs> this one clocked in at six hours forty-five minutes. Okay, uh, there have so been was, worse, but not... There have been worse, but this was a long one. Uh, yeah, so what happened? So there was like a couple of things that happened that were interesting. First of all, um, as you know, uh, the conversion therapy bylaw came forward. Hmm. And um, wisely, Mayor hmm. Masters passed a motion at the beginning of the meeting to deal with that last because there were 28 friggin' delegations to speak on this again. Ugh. Yeah. So when you think that each delegation had five minutes, you can do the math. And then a few of them got questions. So it was so long. So much time was spent on that. So, yeah, they put all of their other business at the beginning of the meeting. And so they did things like they passed the new, the changes to the town's uh, concept plan. They made sure that all the notices of motions passed. They, uh, they got a bunch of discretionary uses out of the way. So all that stuff got done. And that's good because I really thought going into the meeting that, um, that it was just going to be like another, you know, Wednesday that was taken up by conversion therapy and all of the, uh, the real business of council would get, um, would get shoved to another day. Uh, not, and I'm not like, I don't want to imply that I think that the conversion therapy ban by law was, uh, unimportant, but, uh, I do feel like there are some bad actors, uh, many of whom are not from Regina, uh, who are taking what should have been, a very uh, simple process and a very speedy process to do something that's long overdue uh, and have turned it into an excruciating and painful slog. So, which, uh, which is the idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But even this, like, despite the fact that, you know, 
at this point, it's at the bylaw stage. Usually the bylaw is a formality. You read it three times, you're done. Um, this one was like mired in controversy because like from the last time we met, I think I re- mentioned how the council agenda was released on Friday and then it reappeared on Saturday with different stuff. It just, it disappeared and it reappeared. And this was all very strange. Like when it first appeared on Friday, it did not have the conversion therapy ban bylaw, the prohibited business bylaw. It reappeared on Saturday and it did have this. What I didn't know is that it had actually been posted originally on Thursday with the prohibited business bylaw in there, but it was a different bylaw than what showed up on Saturday. This caused massive controversy at the beginning of council, because apparently what had happened is there was a section D, a mysterious section D that was in the original version on Thursday. And the section D was an additional exemption for conversion therapy. In the definition of conversion therapy, it says, you know, this is what conversion therapy is and it's banned. And if you try to do it, you're going to pay a $10,000 fine. But it had an exception which was that the ban does not relate to uh, any therapy that is related to a person's exploration and development of an integrated personal identity without favoring any particular sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. That language sounds a little bit muddied and stuff, but it was kind of lifted from Bill C-6. So it was kind of the exemption... Mm that the federal government had established. And it was also, that language was lifted directly from Saskatoon's bylaw. Right. What wasn't from Saskatoon's bylaw was an additional exemption, which was that the conversion therapy did not apply to a therapy that relates to repressing or reducing sexual attraction or behavior for any purpose unrelated to a desire to be heterosexual, including for the purpose of managing sexual addiction or maintaining celibacy. So this was the mysterious section D that disappeared. Ah. This took up a big chunk of time at the beginning and it relates to how things ended. This exemption was kind of an attempt to incorporate the uh, concerns that were raised by some of the delegations at the meeting at the end of April. And to um, those were like concerns that were also reflected by statements from councillors Brashani, Mole, Shaw, and Fendura, that they wanted, you know, some kind of protection for people who were sex addicts who wanted to seek out um, therapy that was somehow conversion therapy-like. Uh, and they believed that they would not they would not be able to get that therapy if we went with our original definition. Legal right. experts have you know spoken to counsel and said this concern was ridiculous. It was completely ludicrous that the original exemption that was in there covered everything because it's all about you know if you're going to therapy because you're trying to get like a you know you're dealing with your your own like gender expression. You can still get therapy for that. You just specifically can't have a therapy that's going to try to turn you heterosexual. This was in, and then it was mysteriously taken out. And Councillor Brashani and Councillor Mole were livid about this at the meeting. And uh, Brashani said things like, you know, this has never happened that an agenda was changed, uh, you know, mysteriously in the night like this. Mm-hmm. And why was this section taken out? And she even said that five counselors, she said specifically, five counselors lobbied to have that language removed. Uh, no counselor fessed up. In fact, Councillor Hawkins said that he did, he did not talk to the city manager, but he pointed out that this language had been considered by Saskatoon and had been rejected. And so if city administration's job was to come up with a bylaw based on Saskatoon's bylaw, putting this language in kind of contradicts the spirit of what council had voted on. Right. So in the end, it did not go back in, but at the but then at the end of the meeting, Councillor Mole passed a motion or passed an amendment or tried to, uh, moved an amendment to put that language back in the bylaw. And he was voted down. Only him and Councillor Brashani voted in favor of that. And then uh, at the end, they had a vote on the final bylaw after 28 delegations came and said all the same stuff that they said at the end of April. Uh, They voted on the, the unamended 
bylaw and it passed. So we now have a, uh, well, they voted on the first two readings. We now have a bylaw that's this close to coming true. The, the last bit of drama is that when you're doing the three readings, you have like the first reading, the second reading. After the first reading, you get to have delegation speak. After the second reading, council's allowed to make amendments. And then you have the third reading. But to have the third reading in the same meeting as the first and second, you have to have a unanimous vote saying, yeah, sure, we'll do the third reading today too, just to speed things up. Councillor Mole voted against, and he has signaled that he will not be voting in favor of the completed bylaw. And he is the lone holdout on council who's not voting for the, uh, the conversion therapy bylaw, saying that without that exemption put back in, he can't vote for it in good conscience because the bylaw bans too much, which is in, was ridiculous. But anyways, there we are. That is the conversion therapy uh, saga. We're nearly at an end. The August 11th meeting, the third reading of the bylaw will happen and presumably it will pass uh, 10 to 1 with Councillor Mole being the one who votes against Anyways, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. The one more thing uh, that happened at council was the motion, uh, the notice of motion about fluoride uh, was moved. And so that will be debated on August 11th. I thought it would be interesting to uh, speak to somebody from Buffalo Pound about how exactly, if this passes, how exactly are you going to get fluoride into our drinking water? And I have an interview with um, Harry Gara that I did earlier this week. Uh, he's the director of maintenance at the Buffalo Pound Plant. And he, uh, yeah, he was able to take us, uh, give us a little bit of info about how we would get, wa- how, well, how Moose Jaw gets fluoride in the water and how we will if this passes. If you're up for it, I'll play it now. Yeah. Harry, what do you do with uh, the, uh, the Buffalo Pound? So I'll give you a bit of a background here. So, uh, Harry Gara and I am a maintenance and engineering manager at Buffalo Pound. Started here in 2017. Um, as my title says, I look after maintenance and engineering functions at the plant. Now, the city of Regina has a motion coming forward in early August uh, where they're contemplating for the first time since the 1980s uh, instituting a, uh, a municipal water fluoridation program for the city. You guys are already doing this for Moose Jaw, though, right? That's correct. Uh, I think one thing that people would really be curious to know is how do you get fluoride into drinking water? Like, what's the process of getting fluoride in our water? So, basically, um, the Moose Jaw system, they are upgrading the system. So, it hasn't been in operational for some time now. So, the new system... It's being constructed. So once the construction is going to be complete, it's going to be injected into the pipe, the header pipe, which comes out of the plant and uh, it goes into the water. And the, that's how we have provide to the water. Right. Now, is it a liquid or powder or what does fluoride look like before it's in drinking water? It, it's liquid. It's a floorless, fluoroslic acid. Um, I can't pronounce it correctly, but uh, it's a liquid. Right. Um, and is this an automated process or are people actually involved in it at every step? No, it's, it's going to be a fully automated. It's controlled by our computer, the PLC program. And uh, you set the dosage and it uh, injects it depending upon the flow rate. Right. You mentioned that the Moose Jaw system isn't working right now. Are you guys like, is this part of the whole upgrade of the Buffalo Pound plant? No, it's the Moose Jaw system is not um, because uh, it was part of their uh, pipeline upgrade project. So it's uh, managed by Moose Jaw directly, um, but it's located at Buffalo Pound. So they are are doing the construction. Once the construction is going to be over, we'll be running that system right uh will this be so if if regina votes in favor of you know municipal water fluoridation will it be a difficult process to do this for regina as well as moose jaw i don't think so it's pretty straightforward you know it's a bunch of pumps pipes and totes so uh, no it's, it's straightforward 
Yeah. And is it an expensive thing to set up? It, it depends on the, on the size. Also, let's say if the city expects us to have the fluoride, so we will uh, we'll design it, procure it, and construct it. Um, it. It really depends on the size. So uh, the size depends upon the dosage. So uh, once we have those numbers, we can design it. Um, it's, right. In terms of how expensive, it's hard to say. Right. Uh, but this is this is really standard tech, right? Like, I mean, lots of cities do this already. Oh, oh, yeah, it's it's pretty standard. As I said, it's it's fairly standard equipment. It's it's not fancy at all. It's uh, industrial equipment, pumps and pipes. And yeah, those, yeah, easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, my understanding is that. Um, in Regina and Moose Jaw water, so like the water that's coming out of Buffalo Pound, there's already some fluoride just naturally occurring in there. That's correct. That's what my understanding is as well. I'm not a chemist, um, but okay. yeah, there, there is some natural fluoride in there. Yeah. Do you know how much needs to be added? Like, is it like, are we putting in a huge dose of fluoride additionally, or is it, you know, smaller? I think there is a, some uh, Saskatchewan guidelines or public health guidelines. So, uh, and um, I think they do have this MAC limits. Yeah. Uh, not. I, I think it's one point five milligrams. And again, I don't. I don't know offhand. Our uh, lab manager has a better handle on those numbers. But there's a guidelines there from public health in Saskatchewan what the limit should be, the maximum limit should be. Right. And that's like 1.5 milligrams per liter. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so have you guys, uh, one of the concerns that I often hear from people who don't like fluoride in drinking water is that what happens if, you know, there's a sudden surge, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a sudden, sudden surge and like, you know, a hundred thousand times the amount of fluoride gets into the water, um, have you guys ever had a problem with the moose jaw system where like too much fluoride was put in and it was dangerous? Um, I don't recall it, but as I said, I've been here only for four years now and um, I can look at the historical records and find that out, but not, not in the last four years. Nothing mm -hmm. I recall. Yeah. Yeah. And if this system is automated, like it's, are, it's, yeah, it's presumably it's pretty safe. Yeah, it's pretty safe. It's it's automated. It's controlled by the computer, and you set the dosage, and there's enough checks and balances in here, so it's pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know how much you've worked with fluoride in drinking water and stuff, but uh, there are a lot of groups that really don't like the idea of fluoride in drinking water. They say things like it's a toxin that'll cause brain damage. Uh, it'll cause cancer, bone spurs. It'll make people mentally placid so that they can be easily manipulated by the government and turned into communist automatons. Uh, in, in your experience, are those things that happen with municipal drinking water? <laughs> when you're you're saying uh, when you were just describing this, I was just laughing. No, um, <laughs> I, I as I said, I, I don't. I do have a very limited experience with with fluoride. Given my background here, I'm a mechanical engineer, so uh, no, I, I I can't speak to it. But you know, but I'm just laughing. <laughs> yeah, but will you drink the water if it's fluoridated? Oh, of course. Yeah, I live in Regina there, so I would have no problem. Right, right. Um, so I guess more generally, because I'm curious, I've I've driven past the Buffalo Pound plant, uh, you know, on my way to the parks and stuff in the area. Uh, how is it working there? Is that a fun place to work? Oh, it is. It is. Uh, you know, um, it's it's a great place to work. We it's a small team, but uh, we've got a family atmosphere here. So uh, you know, I look forward to coming to work every day. It's, it's yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, and you guys are kind of out in the wilderness a little bit. Not wilderness, but you're out of the city. It's 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 a really beautiful chunk of land that the plant seems to be on. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah we uh, we are a little bit isolated, but it's uh, it's an easy drive, and uh, you know I come here in the morning, and then um, you know it just leaves uh, late say in the evening. Um, but it's a small team. I think at given at any given time we have got about twenty twenty five people on site. 
We've got about 34, 35 people in total. Um, it's a, it's old planned, and that's why we are we are doing the renewal project. And that's another exciting which is happening here. So uh, looking forward to it. That's a big part of my role to manage that project. With this redesign, like, are you basically, are you guys getting to, you know, start thinking about what's your dream Buffalo Pound uh, water treatment plant? Yeah, we, we are not quite finished with the design yet. Uh, we are, we are, we are uh, working on it. So um, we're about 30, 40, 40% done with the design. So uh, we know what the process looks like, the new process looks like. Um, we've got some, uh, you know, um, uh, I guess, uh, things to uh, work on. But um, uh, design is progressing really well. Um, and we are hoping to uh, start the construction uh, early next year, sometime in the spring. So that was our interview with Harry Gara, the Director of Maintenance at the Buffalo Pound Water Treatment Plant. Man, I, I can't believe they take fluoride molecules with long tweezers and place each one individually in the water supply. They're dedicated water professionals, Aiden. I am, I am blown away. I was also not listening very closely, so I may be a little fuzzy on the details, but that's my takeaway. You, you live in that world. You, you shining flower. I'm living my best life here in the basement. Anyways, we should move on to innovative revenue tools if you have one. I do not have one. Well, there is the bottle drive. Oh, how does that work again? It is the CJTR virtual bottle drive. Uh, CJTR is holding a virtual bottle drive until August 31st. Check their social media, which is CJTR, or visit cjtr.ca to arrange for one of uh, our volunteers to come pick up your recycling. Or you can visit any Sarcan location and tell them you're donating your refund to CJTR. And proceeds will go towards the continued operation of Regina Community Radio, 91.3 FM. CGTR. Pretty cool, if you ask me. That's pretty great. That was a fantastic innovative revenue tool. It supports community radio. It does. And the Queen City Improvement Bureau indirectly. I'm a fan and I'm in favor. I whereas I am in fan and I am a favor. Oh brilliant. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the pre-recorded innovative revenue tools right now. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Those were some awesome innovative revenue tools we just heard. They're always excellent. Always excellent. Better, better than the ones that we come up with. How do they do that week after week? I don't know. Don't I don't know. It's a miracle. It's, it's a little Regina miracle. It's a very small miracle. Mm-hmm. It's also called radio programming. So not that much of a miracle, but, but we'll take it. Uh, hey, we've got some guests now. We do? We do. Oh. We have Haley Watson and we have Sophia Young. Haley, can you say hello? Hi. And Sophia? Hello there. And they're from, oh, are you guys from Regi- uh, Regina Energy Transitions or do you have your own shtick that you're doing? Uh, yeah, we're from Regina Energy Transitions. That's our main group, but we're also part of a lot of other groups like Miller for Nature. So Miller Comprehensive Schools Environmental Club and um, the, oh God, oh goodness, um, Regina Something People's Transit Coalition Group. So the RCPTC. I get so used to, ac- to the acronyms that I forget how to say the word. <laughs> so Regina, well, we'll talk about Regina Energy Transitions in a sec, but I'm more curious. You guys are working on something specifically within Regina Energy Transitions, which is really exciting. Uh, can you, uh, can we, Haley, could you tell us about that? So we want to get fare-free transit for youth under 18. Um, so that would mean that we could ride the bus for free. So that would be, you know, access for all the students and anyone who needs to ride the bus who is a youth. Cool. Okay, hang on. But how far into your 40s do you still count as a youth? <laughs> for It's for people under 18. <sighs> I'm not under 18. So but you, don't, you don't look a day over like 45, Paul. Come on. Well, thanks, Aiden. That's sweet. <laughs> 
So you'd be talking like zero to 17. Yes. Sophia, uh, why, do you, why do you think these kids uh, who've maybe never worked a day in their life deserve free transit? Um, everything starts with the kids, to be honest. They're, as we often say, the future. Um, we want fair free transit for youth because it encourages ridership which causes more people to take the bus because when you get kids involved, you also drag the families along, especially for the younger ones. And by doing that, we have a more accessible Regina and we get to reduce emissions, which creates a better climate. So something that's pretty nice. Have you guys done anything towards this? Like, uh, I mean, nice idea, but have you spoken to anybody? Do you have, is there anything underway? Um, Yes, we've actually spoken to a counselor and she has agreed to champion it. And we're working on, you know, um, talking to more counselors and getting more people involved. Very cool. Which counselor can I ask? Or is it a secret? A counselor is a kidney act. Um, So we had a really good talk with her. She's willing to champion champion it. And we're also talking to other counselors, which are a little bit more hush-hush right now. But um, (laughs) some of them seem very open to the idea. That's awesome. Shannon's actually been a, a guest on our show several times. So... Mm-hmm. She's pretty great. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm curious about something. Now, is, is this an idea that is only uh, in Regina, or are other cities uh, also embracing this idea? To your knowledge, um, we actually, well, Victoria and Kingston have already done this, and it's been very successful. So, but we want to be the leaders in the Prairie region about this because obviously they're very far away, and we're hoping that if we do it, other cities, you know, Saskatchewan will follow suit. So what was the spark for this idea? I mean, did you, was it because you'd heard about sort of Kingston and Victoria or were you, you were, you just sitting there, you know, what, you know, it would work. It would be a great idea. You know, X, you know, free transit. Tell tell us a little bit more about sort of the genesis of this whole project. Start with, start with Haley. Oh, um, well, (laughs) when I, this idea was already proposed and, well, me and Sophia thought this would be a great idea for us since it would directly involve us and the rest of the people in the group are adults, so they wouldn't exactly know. But I know for, you know, for me personally, like this would be great because I know my friends, they don't really take the bus and they've told me it's because of the cost factor. And every day after school, I'll see people racing to the bus and I just can't imagine like, you know, how much it must cost for them to have to do that every single day there and back. Like just off the top of your head, do you guys know what the like the cost of transit is for your age group? I he says not. as he as he frantically googles it in another window. <laughs> oh golly, I I can't pull it off from the top of my head. But um, yeah, no, it's not coming to me. But I know a lot of my friends pay it, and they just don't talk about it. It's just the hidden cost. <laughs> right. Okay, I found it here. The cash fare for kids is two dollars and seventy-five cents. What? And then for adults, it's three dollars and twenty-five. So you're getting a whopping fifty cent discount for being. Un- oh, and it's only for kids four. Uh, sorry, five to fourteen. So you know, once you hit fifteen, you're you're paying full adult fare. But you can't vote. <laughs> At least not. But alone. as far as Regina Transit is concerned, you're you're a you're an adult. You have to pay full fare. Yeah, that, that, that sounds really expensive, I have to say. I, you know, I think that if you are paying full fare on the bus, you should be allowed to vote in a municipal election. If the bus considers you an adult, you should get to vote for mayor and council. I think it just seems fair. And school trustee. <laughs> yeah, that is an awful lot of money. Like, uh, And you guys, you know, unlikely that you have jobs that can cover that kind of a cost. So uh, what do you think, like, what's the next step from here? You've spoken to some counselors, you're, you're, you know, starting to uh, get some momentum amongst uh, politicians. What's the next step? How do you make this reality? Well, right now, we kind of need the community to do two things for us. The first one is to go into Be Heard Regina. And when you go to the website, you're going to have to click specifically the transit um, section. When you go down, there'll be like a whole bunch of posts of people and you find the ones about fair free transit. And if you like them or make your own post about your own personal reasons why you think would be a good idea, that would help us because it shows the city like, hey, the community actually wants this. It's not just, you know, two students. And also, if you could send a letter or email your own personal counselor and express that you would like this, that would help a lot too. 
Sophia, do you have any other like actions planned or any other ways to get the message out? Oh, um, I know there's like a lot of, in a way, chain mail going on. Um, like for the letter that Haley was talking about, there is a template letter that's being sent out. And if you want a link, I know there's like on the Miller for Nature Instagram account, there's a direct link just read you directly to that section. And then you can look at all the posts or even create your own. Um, but those are the two main ways right now. It's really in mid-September when a lot of this stuff is really rolling out where you can truly show a lot more of your support. But right now, those are the main two ways, just really getting the message out. You guys know that the uh, transportation master plan is underway now, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is really well-timed because this is the kind of thing the city's looking for. But you're doing this through Regina Energy Transitions. Uh, Sophia, could you maybe tell us what Regina Energy Transitions is? Oh, golly. Words. <laughs> Sorry. It's a long day. Uh, but yeah. Regina Energy Transitions was a group made by a lot of people who have a lot of care about our community, and they had ideas about how we can make our community better and a more sustainable and accessible Regina. So there's a lot of different, like, really four main initiatives that are planned, and the one that we're focusing on is the transportation side of it. So I know they have one, like, for a PACE program, and there's this one, and there's a couple others I I think I have the file open actually. Um, yeah. Okay. One of them is like a property assessed clean energy. So a PACE program. Another one is phasing in free public transit, starting with youth. Um, so that's the one that we are talking about. There's also renewable transition strategies for transit buses and city operation vehicles. That's something a different group is covering. And then the incentivization for landlords to energy, energy retrofit their rental properties. Wow. So, those, those are great. That's a great idea. Yeah. So those are some things that we're kind of asking the city to kind of consider supporting or incentivizing in different ways and really getting the message out there because it's a group, I think, of like 30 people. But, you know, they share a lot of values a lot of people have in the community. So as we can show more support for it, it really helps everyone. Right and just really bringing that justice. Haley, um so Regina Energy Transitions kind of came into uh, came into being uh, alongside the uh, the motion to turn Regina into a renewable city, 100% renewable city by 2050. You've probably heard about that. When you heard that Regina had made this commitment, what did you think about that? Um, well, I haven't really heard much about like taking action toward this. I actually, when they came up with their budget. Um, a few months ago, they were only allocating, I think it was 0.2% of their whole budget towards it, which was like $700,000, which if you actually want to become renewable by 2050, that's not enough money. So that's actually what got me into the group because I made a speech to the counselors about the budget. And that kind of inspired me to look more into it and be like, wait, so how can they actually help? Sophia, were you similarly underwhelmed? I mean... I was thinking it was about time. Uh, I was looking for this to happen for a long time. Both my parents are, you know, kind of in the climate sector. My mom teaches environmental engineering at the University of Regina. My dad does water and wastewater designing, so for different plants. And when I heard it was coming out, I was really excited. It was just a little bit underwhelming that there wasn't a lot of action that came afterwards. But, you know, as I started talking to the like the city, I can kind of see they're trying to do some things and I'm on the community advisory group for some of those climate actions. So I'm starting to see some of it come underway, which right. is nice. This will put us, if this works out, we'll be a hundred percent renewable. You guys will be in what you're like forties when this happens. Yeah. 45. <laughs> so like your age. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Are you not 45? We're not going to talk about that. So anyways, but yeah, you guys will be like middle-aged geezers like, like Aiden and I. Um, how, how dare you say that to them? <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is like the, the, that, that must put like some perspective in you. You guys get to live, like you have to live your entire life waiting for this. Like I'll be long dead by the time this happens. I mean, this is really sad. Um, Haley, do you like? Do you have any ideas? Like, what 
what do you think we can do to speed this process up? Like, how do we get people enthused enough to perhaps make something like, you know, a renewable city happen before I'm dead and you're middle-aged? Well, I really think it will start with youth because me personally, I'm really scared for the future because right now there isn't much happening. So if we really focus on, you know, the youth and say, hey, like, you need to be the start of this because you're going to be the people in power in the future and you're going to be the leaders and you need to get educated and start doing stuff. Otherwise, we're hopeless. And besides that, we also need to start encouraging the people who are currently our leaders to start make, taking action. And even the regular Agreed. folks. Like, oh, sorry, Sophia? People, people like us, you know, we have so much power because really politicians do what we tell them to do. We just need to show that there's the mass support for it. And I guess that's where we truly hold our power um, just as a group and really going out there like, you know, Fridays for Future and different programs like that. That's where, you know, politicians are like, oh, my goodness, people actually care about this stuff. I guess I have to do something to show support. And again, it's like through those mass movements, through going out and showing our support, whether it's online or in person or um, showing up to city council. There's a lot of different ways that you can show like, hey, counselors, there's some stuff that we want. Help deliver it so we can create a better world. I just, I was just really enjoying that, uh, that very optimistic take on politics and the future. Optimism in politics. It's such a novel thing. <laughs> You're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR tuned into the community. Uh, okay, well, d- just to shift gears slightly, I am also curious about, you guys keep talking about Miller for Nature. Uh, what is this? Um, so, is that your high school, I assume? Haley, do you want to start? Or Sophia, whichever one wants to start. Um, that is at our high school. We actually are a permaculture group, and we're trying to get a greenhouse at our school. Um, we are a very small group currently. There's three of us and a teacher. <laughs> but we're hoping to expand in the fall. But the three of us are very involved and very enthusiastic. So I think we make up for a small number. Yeah. Um, before COVID, we used to be like a pretty decent side group. And then with COVID, um, a lot of people dropped simply because of not feeling good about everything. But um, we're really excited to kind of build our capacity once the fall comes out. And um, our main person who runs all the fundraising stuff, Keisha, has a lot of things planned. So did you say permaculture? Uh, yes. Could you tell us what permaculture is? Um, well, it's a way of um, kind of a way of living. It's using as little energy as possible to get the best results. So what we're going to do is more, you know, growing and gardening. But it's not gardening because we really want to do things such as like um, perennials and stuff and like things that we don't have to put much energy into, but it will give us great results. Yeah, it's working with nature, um, using a lot of indigenous knowledge and really relying like of going off the grid systems to like grow the food that we want to with as little work as possible. So in other words, really lazy farming. (laughs) Nice. I can get behind that. Um, do you guys do gardening and stuff at home? Like, are you, is this stuff that you're working on, on your own, uh, on your own time? Um, yes, we actually were invited to use the garden at our school. So I go three times a week to water the garden at our school and we've been picking raspberries, basil already, lettuce. So we got (laughs) good plants. Yeah. When did this all start for you guys? Like, uh, Sophia, you mentioned that your parents are like big environmentalists. Well, they work in environmental science. Um, when did you guys uh, become sort of like environmentally minded as kids? Sophia? When, when I was really little. Um, I liked the outdoors. I spent a lot of time outside. And that's really when I saw the beauty of this world, which was like through the little things, whether it's the tree sap or the butterflies and the things like that. And through that, I saw how much I cared about our world and keeping it as it is. But as I grew up, I saw that, you know, things started changing, that there's a lot of problems with our world. And 
that there's a high likelihood that's going to get worse and that, you know, when I become 45, so a middle-aged person, my kids might not see the things that I got to see, all the little beautiful things. And that's something that really scares me. I think it's something that scares a lot of youth. So it's really through this emotion that I changed it into action and saw like, hey, I need to do something so that everyone can see what's beautiful about our world. And I need to do something now because it's not just about the future people. It's about our friends, our neighbors right now. You know, there's a lot of people, particularly lower income people that get hit really hard by climate change especially in other countries. Like um, I have a lot of family in Colombia and we're farmers right now. The heat waves are so hot that it's killing our crops like crazy. Like it's insane. We're losing a lot of profit. It's kind of hard to survive. And I know a lot of my families are leaving the farms and going to the cities because they're not making money anymore because of just how extreme the weather's becoming. And that's something that's really sad. So that's really what, got me to say, hey, what's something that I can do to make it better? And it started with little things like school clubs. And then I started going to city council and saying, hey, there's different things I want to see in the city. And then I got invited to join different community groups. And now I'm here with transit, which is something I feel like can really be important for a lot of people in our community, just shifting our transportation culture towards public and eco transit and away from car focused transit. And just becoming a leader in that. Excellent, Haley. How about you? When did uh, when did you wake up to environmental issues? Um, I mean, I really had a basic understanding of climate change. You know, I was told take shorter showers or stop using plastic grocery bags, and I was like, that's putting so much blame on the consumers when it's not. Those things changes are good, but they're not going to make the best change and we, as consumers we have so much power and as I learned that I'm like well I have power when where I spend my money or what I do with my time and joining these groups has really helped me learn more it really started for me being education I didn't know much about climate change and now I've learned so much and I'm still learning have you guys been learning about uh climate change and its impacts in school much um we we learn about it. Um, it's not covered so much in like the, like you must take a curriculum, but like if you go into environmental science 20, which is a class that I really enjoy, um, we really dive deep into it. But yeah, sometimes we, it's a little bit sad. I feel like a lot of people heard this message so many times that it become, they became desensitized to it. And they're like, oh yeah, the planet's dying. Oh, well, I really want to play Fortnite. <laughs> Well, I think 20 class, their last two weeks was all focused on climate change, actually, and stuff about that. So I found that was really helpful. Also, my Catholic studies class, we talked a lot about climate change. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so uh, what else are you guys doing? Like, do you have any, do you have any big plans for climate action? Uh transit action uh, coming up in this, in the new year? Like, do you have any, anything else what's, to report? What's cooking is what Paul is yeah. asking. Yeah. Um, well, I think right now we're really waiting for, as you said, mid-September, the transit, um, I can't remember what it was called. We're kind of waiting for that. And then we're hoping some of these policies will start even by very early next year or the end of this year, we'll start coming into we don't have much planned. I think we're trying to do some, um, like, Brett is trying to reach out to the community more. I think it was in mid-August to do some type of, like, something for the public. But there's not much about it yet. We still need to do more meetings. Meetings. So yeah. useful. And there's so many of them. <laughs> and they go on for so long. Speaking of meetings, uh, you guys were talking about there is... Now, I'm not clear on the name of it, but that there is a uh, an advisory committee of council. Uh, Sophia, did you... Like, are you guys on that? Yes, we are. Um, and what's it called again? The Community Advisory Group. Um, right now, that's where they're going off of. And it's a group of about 30 stakeholders in the city, 
ranging from the people from the refineries and SAS power, and then little guys like us representing the youth in our community. We're right now just giving a lot of our opinions on different things that we see and any troubles that there could be, whether it's from cost or how it affects our associated groups. And I know that's what they have right now, but there's also going to be like a youth one that's coming out in a little bit as well. All right. And how are you finding those meetings? Are they useful? They're eye-opening. Um, some of the facts that you see in there really, really shows how things have to change and how it's going to be fast when things have to change. All right. Well, I, I don't have any more questions. Aiden, do you? I have no more questions, but uh, that was... But uh, once again, uh, if there's any uh, websites or places we can go to, uh, let's let's hear about those again. Um, so Be Heard Regina, you look it up and you might have to click on another link that says Be Heard Regina. You scroll down, it's the second bottom, it says transit, and there'll be about 40 posts. And if you go sort by um, newest, it's actually more helpful because the newest ones are about fare free transit and you like them. And then also to email the counselor in your ward. Um, if you don't know your ward counselor, it's very easy. You look up find, like my ward counselor Regina, put in your address and send them an email or a letter and just maybe even talk about how it personally affects you. That would help too. How do people get in touch with Regina Energy Transitions? Um, I'm pretty sure we have an email. You can really talk to anyone, whether it's um, Josh Campbell so j.campbell.rcsd.ca or Yvette, I'm pretty sure there's a email about it, but really there's a lot of connections to the city. You can even go through us, like our Instagram account, Miller for Nature. So it's the word Miller. So M-I-L-L-E-R, the number four, and then nature, N-A-T-U-R-C-R-E. Oh my goodness. I'm forgetting how to spell. <laughs> yeah, Miller for Nature. Um, go down there if you want to send us a DM. And say, hey, this is something we kind of want to see happen with Rhett. We will take your concern to the group. That'd be awesome. That's great. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate this. Yeah. But uh, on that note, Aiden, uh, yes. we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time. We're out of time? Yeah. Well, just when I thought we had that. endless time. Yeah. Okay, so should we move to adjourn? Uh, I would second that motion. Okay, motion carried, and meeting closed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tune in the community. We are Paul DeShen and Aiden Morgan. Our guests tonight have been Haley Watson and Sophia Young from a lot of committees that I don't remember the names of, so I'm very sorry. We are broadcast from uh, Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m., and rebroadcast Monday afternoons from 4 p.m. Coming up next, we've got Hercore Cabaret, followed by music all on through the night. Keep on improving, Regina.